Were you there? Were you there? It happened. And someone was there. And he wrote down what happened so that you and I could have life. If you have your Bible, please turn with me to John chapter 19. If you don't have a Bible with you, please take one from our foyer. We have a number of giveaway Bibles. We want God's Word in your hands so you can feast on it daily. And if you don't have one now, we have the scripture for today reprinted on the back of the bulletin. John 19, someone was there. And we go through the gospel, a gospel, each fall. And we're picking up this year in John 19, going through John for the last few years. And we're going to finish John, Lord willing, before Thanksgiving. And we're going to be thankful for that. And then who knows what gospel we'll do next fall. We've done Mark and John now in my time here. Well, I'm going to pray first and then I'm going to read our text, John 19, 31 through 37. Let me pray. Father, you were there when they crucified your son. When they nailed him to the tree, when they laid him in a tomb. But you were also there when you raised him from the dead. Thank you for being there. You're also here today. And you know what our hearts need from you. To give us life. Abundant life. To give us peace, hope, joy, endurance. You've prepared a message for us and a worship service for us. The prayers, the updates, the announcements, the baptism. And now the preaching and hearing of your word. Give us life as we receive this nourishing meal from you. Thank you for being there when they nailed them to the tree and for being here when we need you today. In Christ's name, we thank you and pray. Amen. John 19, verses 31 through 37. Since it was the day of preparation... And so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day. The Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. In our text this morning, we have three questions to ask. First, why is this written down? Why is this story written down? Second, why did it happen? Why did these facts about Jesus and his life on the cross happen? And then third, will you look on him? 
you, your heart? Will you look on Jesus? Why is this written? Why did it happen? And will you look on him? Question one, why is this written down? These facts, this story, this account from John of what happened to Jesus after he died. What difference does it make? I mean, think about it. A man was arrested, tried, executed, crucified, hung on a cross 2,000 years ago. And because of a Jewish high day or a holiday, the soldiers went to break his legs early to finish the job. But when they got to him, he was already dead, so they didn't break a single bone. Instead of doing that, they pierced his side. And when they did that with a spear, blood and water came out. How is that important? Why is this written down? Well, the author tells us, why do you need to hear this story? Verse 35, verse 35. He who saw it, an eyewitness, has borne witness. His testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth that you also may believe. So the author, John, shares a testimony so that you might believe. That's the story of faith. That's how we got here to 2023. Why there are Christians today. Jesus changes someone's life. They've seen Jesus. They've been changed by Jesus. And then they share their testimony or they stand in front of a church and say, I will follow Jesus. I believe in him. And that passes the faith on so that others would believe. In John chapter 1, all the way at the beginning of the Gospel of John, it says, and this is the testimony of John, that's John the Baptist, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? Well, John the Baptist gives an answer to who he is. He says, I'm not the Messiah. And then later he says, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then he gives more details at the end of John the Baptist's testimony. I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. That's John the Baptist. I've seen him. I'm a witness. He's the Son of God. In our text, it's John the Gospel writer. I've seen him. I'm bearing witness. This is the Son of God. He was the guy. This really happened so that you and I might believe. An eyewitness testimony from 2,000 years ago of the event that changed the entire world. That's the story of faith. And so John is sharing his testimony so that you might believe. Think about why you're here today. It's likely that you're only here today because at some point in your life, someone who had seen Jesus and been changed by him, told you about Jesus. What a gift. Are you grateful for that gift that someone told you about Jesus and now you're here today? Verse 35 again. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth that you also may believe. So here we have in our text an eyewitness account so that we could believe for our good, for our redemption, to give us hope. Do you need hope this week? Raise your hand if your life is going so well, you don't need any hope. You don't need any encouragement. Anyone have no need for encouragement. If that's you, and I didn't see any hands, if you actually are that, then you're here to give the rest of us encouragement because you've got too much, not fair. Why don't you share? 
John wrote this down so that we would believe for our hope, for our understanding of Jesus, so that we would look on him today and have life. What a gift. Were you there when they crucified our Lord? Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? No, but John was. He was there when they crucified my Lord. He was there when they nailed him to the tree. He knew the people who laid him in the tomb and he saw Jesus after he rose up from the dead. He was there. This is his testimony so that you might have life this week because we need life. Because death is real. Why do we need life? Why do we need to look on Jesus and see him and receive life from him? Because death is real. Lots of people die. Almost everyone. But Jesus' death changed the world. And these details about broken legs, blood, water, soldiers, they all matter and they all teach us something about death. We need life from Jesus because death is real. Which brings us to our second question. Why did it happen? Question one, why is this written so that you might believe? Question two, why did it happen? Why did this story actually happen? Here's why. This story happened in history. It really happened with his legs, with that spear, blood and water. It really happened to give you victory over death. That's why it happened. This all happened. These details, if you believe in Jesus, give you victory over death in a world that is scared to death of death. Victory over death. Jesus died. They didn't break his legs. They pierced his side. Blood and water came out so that you might have victory over death. Some injuries, like the spear in the side of Jesus, can change the world. Some injuries... Uh, change a small relationship, but don't really change the world. Uh, Sarah and I, we've been married 19 years. Uh, we have a, a moment like this, an injury like this that sort of changed our lives. It was on our first date, my first date with Sarah. Uh, we went skiing and the ski lift operator was leaning over Sarah to check my uh, season pass and the chair hit us before the lift operator got out of the way and uh, her ski pole went through my eyebrow. Now I know how many of you haven't heard that story yet. Now, on our first date. And so um, blood came out, <laughs> not water, and it went all over the snow. Not precious was the flow. It didn't make me white as snow. It made the snow red as blood. It looked like a crime scene. And then she goes up over top of me, off into the distance that night, and I'm laying there. And so here's the lesson. Here's the lesson. If you stab someone in the eye on your first date, start planning the wedding. <laughs> now, um, that injury really was a, a formative moment in the life of our relationship. I mean, it, it didn't seal the deal. But on our first date, we had this moment of an injury and blood and something came out. And yet we got through that and we remember that and we laugh about that. But my injury made the snow red as blood. Jesus' injury makes sinners white as snow. 
It doesn't just change one dating relationship. It can change your life. What happened to Jesus gives us victory over death. Jesus' blood is the forgiveness of our sins for all who place their faith in him. This story was written down so that you might believe. So why did it happen? I said it was to give you victory over death, but there's three parts to that. Three specific reasons why this happened. First, prophecies fulfilled. Second, humanity proven. And third, death defeated. So we're in question two. Why did this happen? Three reasons. Prophecies fulfilled, humanity proven, and death defeated. First, prophecies fulfilled. Look at verses 36 and 37. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. So the first prophecy of the coming Messiah was that no bone would be broken of his. This is most likely a clear reference to the Passover lamb. It was Passover week. Jesus is celebrating Passover with his disciples. He's using the image of a lamb. He's using the image of the Passover to talk about himself. And in Exodus 12, you don't have to turn there, but in Exodus 12, we get the rules for Passover. It says, it shall be eaten in one house. You shall not take any of the flesh outside the house and you shall not break any of its bones. For the Passover lamb to be effective for the people offering it and eating it, you can't break the bones first. And the apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 5 says, Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Jesus is the true Passover lamb. He was. Those who celebrated the first Passover before the Israelites left Egypt and went through the Red Sea into the promised land, they survived death. And all of those who trust in Christ, the Passover lamb, survive death. Not just one moment where a nation kills certain people, but our final moment, our final breath. We survive death if we've trusted in Jesus because he was the Passover lamb prophesied about hundreds and thousands of years before his time. On top of that, no bone was broken. It also could be echoing a promise from God for his people to care generally about his people. In Psalm 34, 20, it says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Now, it doesn't mean Christians never break bones. As we heard, we heard about someone who broke a bone. I've broken bones. But God does care for his people and particularly Jesus. God was caring for him even on the cross with the kind of care Psalm 34 promises. So that's the first prophecy. The second prophecy is that his side would be pierced. The Messiah's side would be pierced. Zechariah 12, verse 10. It says, And I will pour out on the house of David David, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, so that when they, listen to this, when they look On me, on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child, and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. So, this prophecy hundreds of years earlier in Zechariah 12 concludes a few sentences later with this What's going to happen when they look on him whom they have pierced, the coming Messiah? It says, On that day, 
There shall be a fountain opened for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to do what? To cleanse them from sin and uncleanness. So when they look on him whom they have pierced, something was going to flow that brings forgiveness and cleanness from our sins. What Jesus did on the cross leads to sinners being forgiven. And that exact moment, no bones broken, spear in the side, and they looked on him whom they pierced. Two prophecies fulfilled. Why did this happen? Well, two prophecies were fulfilled. Second, his humanity was proven. Look at verse 34. 34. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. Okay, it happened. Jesus' side was pierced with a spear. Blood and water came out. The blood and water coming out over 2,000 years has been subject to much theological speculation. Does it symbolize something? Is it supposed to be referring to like baptism in the Lord's Supper or the Holy Spirit in the Trinity or what's going on there? There's much speculation about whether or not there's extended symbolism of the blood and water coming out. And those are all interesting discussions, but not for this morning. The main point John tells us this about is certainly to show that Jesus was fully human. He was fully human. He had a human body. He was a human. Many people back then believed that Jesus was not fully human. When John wrote his gospel, there were already misunderstandings of Jesus going around even in the Christian community saying, well, Jesus couldn't have been fully human. We know he was God or the son of God or who was he? Certainly God couldn't take on human flesh. That seems impossible. But John needed to remind his readers and needed to remind us today that we are human sinners and that means we need a human savior. And so he's pierced in the side and blood and water come out to prove that he was fully human, not a ghost, not an apparition, not an angel. He took on human flesh. He was one of us. Think back to the beginning of John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word, the word of God became flesh, this flesh, not some other flesh, this flesh. Pinch yourself. Jesus became that. And he dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus' humanity is proven here. He was a human. He really was and he really died. Which means we can really defeat death. Because he was a human. Which is point three of question two. Death was defeated. Think about the life of Jesus. If you go through a Bible reading plan, maybe you've already read through one or all of the Gospels. When you read the Gospels, there's a theme when it comes to death. Death is coming after Jesus. He's born and Herod hears about it and he wants to kill all the baby boys in Bethlehem, right? They're trying to kill him. They're trying to kill him. And then everyone's mad at him and the Pharisees are mad at him and and they want to kill him. How can we kill him? Let's come up with a way to kill him. Oh, he brought Lazarus back from the dead. Well, let's kill him. Wait a minute. If he can bring people back from the dead, how is that going to work? Death is coming after Jesus. But what we see in all of the Gospels, and especially John, is that Jesus was coming after death. 
Death was hunting him down and Jesus was hunting death down. Death didn't kill Jesus. Jesus willingly gave his life up to death. He gave himself up willingly to kill death. On Good Friday and through that weekend and on Easter Sunday, what we come to realize is that death has an end and Jesus is alive. Death has died. Jesus is alive. This is why we get victory over death. Why did this happen? Question two, to give you victory over death because Jesus did not stay dead. He rose again. His flesh was as ours. Our flesh will die one day, but we, through Jesus, have eternal life. Why did this happen? To give you victory over death. Why is this written? Question one, so that you would believe. Question two, why did it happen? To give you victory over death. Finally, finally, will you look on him? Will you look on him whom they have pierced? Your heart, your mind today. When you woke up this morning, what were you thinking about? Something that happens at 425? Or what happened 2,000 years ago? Because it is the Lord's day and there was a tomb that was empty. And no matter what happens this afternoon, Jesus is still alive. Will you look on him? Have you been looking on Jesus? Do you take time daily to remember what Jesus has done for you? He's defeated death as a human to give you victory over death. Do you regularly stare at him? Will you look on him? Think about it. You are going to die. I have bad news. We're a good news church. We preach the good news every week, but we're also a bad news church because we preach the bad news every week because it's not good news unless there's bad news. If you want to go into this world and bring really good news, that has to include bad news. And the bad news is death is the final enemy. We're all going to die. Next Wednesday, we have a funeral for Peggy Landis. We all die. The last uh, numbers I have on deaths in America per year, um, in 2019, about 3 million Americans died. That means each week, 54,900 Americans die. Let's call it 55,000 to make it easy. Each week in America, 55,000 people die. Americans. That means since last Lord's Day, last Sunday, 55,000 people died. That means that last Sunday was the last time 55,000 people could have been gathered in a church to hear the preaching of the good news. And this week was the last time for 55,000 people, for their friends and loved ones, to share the good news of Jesus with them, just in our country. Death is a great enemy and the world tries to avoid it. They try and live forever or look like they're going to live forever. It doesn't work. But death chased Jesus his whole life and yet he has had victory over death. And because he was fully human and fully God, his victory is ours. Verse 37. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. 
That's Christianity. That's your faith today. Take time today to look upon Jesus, to read from his scriptures, to see who he was and what he's done for you and to be in awe of his grace and his mercy and his love and to receive from him his gifts of hope and peace and endurance and honesty and integrity and truthfulness and whatever else you desperately need today. Look on him. This really happened. John was an eyewitness. It happened 2,000 years ago. But people have been looking on Jesus for 2,000 years. Billions of people have had their lives changed. Billions of people have believed that because the tomb of Jesus was empty, theirs will be too. Graveyards are scattered all across the world. Billions of people have died. But billions have died knowing that death is not the end of their life. They've looked at the eyewitness accounts of Jesus and then they've looked on him and they've believed. And that's what John wanted. He wanted us to look at Jesus and believe. And by grace through faith in Jesus, we have everlasting life. Life beyond death. Those who die in the Lord are not dead. Think about that. Yes, they have died, but they are not dead. Think about Peggy Landis. Peggy Landis has died, but she's not dead. She's not dead. She's not gone forever. She has eternal life. Her faith was in Jesus. She looked on Jesus, and now she's looking on Jesus in a way that you could only imagine. And boy, can she know what it was like to be there when they crucified the Lord, to see Jesus in his glory. Now she gets to see him forever and ever. This truth changes your funeral. And so if you've seen him, friends, if you've seen Jesus, if you've looked on him whom they have pierced, then tell his story to those around you. Will you tell his story to those around you that they might look and see and have life? That's the story of faith. Jesus changes someone's life and then we go into the world and we share that testimony so that others would believe. Amanda stood up in front of us today and confessed her faith in Jesus Christ and was baptized as a way for all of you to see she's trusting Jesus. She's been and now she's standing before you saying, will you look at Jesus too? He can change your life and give you hope and joy and peace and redemption and forgiveness and grace and mercy all the days of your life. And then you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's what we do. We see Jesus and we tell that story that others might believe. If you've seen the power of the risen Savior, who are you going to share Jesus with? That's my question as we wrap up the message. I want you to try and think of one, two, or three people right now that you know and that need the Lord Jesus, that need to look on him whom they have pierced, see him and trust in him, and have eternal life. Think of one, two, or three. Maybe it's coworkers, friends, neighbors, family members, strangers. But if they're strangers, you don't know them. So not strangers. One, two, or three. Okay, do you have one, two, or three people in your mind? Let me talk about those one, two, or three people that you have in your mind right now. Those one, two, or three people are souls that will live forever. 
Every soul is eternal. Those souls will live forever, having seen the glory of Jesus and be with him forever. Or those souls will live forever, having not believed and separated from Jesus forever. Eternal souls. That person you thought of, those three are eternal souls. And if they don't know Jesus right now, but they know you, I have a question for you. If they don't know Jesus, but they know you and you've seen Jesus, here's a question. Who do you think God might send to show them Jesus? Eternal souls that will live forever. I'm going to ask it again because I need to ask this of myself too this week. I've been thinking about this. If they don't know Jesus, but they know you and me. Who do you think God might send to tell them about Jesus? Well, there's a likelihood God might ask us to do it. He may give us the privilege to sacrifice reputation, to risk relationship, or to say, can I tell you why I have hope in my life? And you'll get to show them Jesus so that they could look on him whom they have pierced so that they might believe. Verse 37. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. So brothers and sisters in Christ, let's go into this world and help other people look on the one who was pierced. Maybe someone this week will ask you, why aren't you so stressed out like everyone else? Or where do you get your hope? And you'll have a chance to share. Maybe you'll risk a relationship and say, hey, would you like to read some scripture with me? Let's meet on Saturday mornings for coffee and go through the gospel of John. Would you be willing? Can Can I show you what I believe? Are you interested in that? I'll pay And I'll provide the Bibles. Would you be interested? Maybe you'll do that. Maybe you'll have a Bible study at your workplace before office hours. Maybe you'll open to Isaiah 53. And if you need a good place to go and you only have one minute with someone, how about Isaiah 53 verses 4 and 6? Listen to this. Maybe print it out on a little card and read it with someone if they give you the chance. Because it's about what the Messiah was going to do and why we have hope. Isaiah 53, 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. That's why I have hope, because someone's carrying my sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. Someone was pierced for me. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Friend, I've been healed because of the wounds of my Savior. Verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. Me too. I'm a sinner too. I needed this too. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Friend, Jesus paid it all for me. So all to him I owe. Maybe, maybe you want to learn more about Jesus. That's the story of faith. Jesus changes our lives and sends us into this world to share that testimony so that others might look on him who was pierced so that others would believe. I'm ending with verse 35 and then I'm going to give you something to pray about. Verse 35. 
He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth that you also may believe. Amen? Now let's go to prayer. And I want to end by giving you a few moments to pray silently. I want you to pray for yourself that this week, the Lord would help you focus on him and stare daily on him who was pierced for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Take some time and ask God to help you this week stare at Jesus. But I also want you to pray for those one, two, or three eternal souls who need Jesus that God might give you the courage an opportunity to help them see Jesus so that they might believe. Let's pray for ourselves and then for our loved ones, those one, two, or three. Take this time in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for being there when they crucified your son. When they nailed him to a tree, when they laid him in a tomb, and when you raised him from the dead. You did all that so that we might look on him and find life, everlasting life, victory over death, victory over sin this week, that we might receive all good and glorious gifts from your loving and generous hands. Remind us of that now and help us look on him today and put all of our trust in him today. And Lord, give us your burden for the lost, for those who don't have hope, for for those who don't know victory over death, for those who fear the final enemy. Give us a desire to love them so much that we'll be pleading with you for a chance to share about Jesus with them. Lord, open doors, open opportunities. Give us boldness and courage and joy in our step as we interact with those around us who don't know Jesus. And Father, will you change some hearts this week for eternity, for our good and for your glory. Help us all look on him whom they pierced so that we all might grow in our faith today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.